Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode 130. And if you want to listen to this episode as well as previous ones, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave us a late Christmas present and give us a five-star rating and a review or something like that. Or New Year's resolutions, whatever you feel like, as long as it involves a nice rating because it helps spread the word about our podcast so we've got games to potentially discuss although games that have yet to happen yet so as we begin the new year here let me bring in the crew of sandal pressy hello sam how's it going danny how was your holiday it was good it was good as we were discussing before we hit record not as cold as other places no uh, did you uh did you manage the seven fishes on uh, christmas eve or no uh we had probably three or four fishes but yes, yes. we managed we managed quite well yeah, we we got all seven in this year. There you go. The Loprestes don't mess around. Well, <laughs> they have it down to a science. They have it in a, as as like a either we make several dishes that encompass multiple fishes at a time, or we have like a very small like tasting thing, like uh-huh. one person gets one of each little little guy. Like we had like we had clams casino this year. We had we had this very interesting shrimp corn fritter. Which I did not think would never even heard of that. No, it my I, I don't know where my my sister and my parents pulled this out from, but it was delicious. I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was. I wasn't expecting it to be bad, but I didn't think it would be like. And I was like mind blown. Crab cakes, and we have a friend who is Maltese who comes to 
many of our, our family gatherings uh, who brought a whitefish pie. It's a traditional Maltese recipe. And uh, then we had a little bit of a mini pizza with an anchovy on it. And uh, what am I missing? Salmon sliders. Just something my sister whips up, which is really tasty. There you go. We got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Uh, any, I uh, want to break down your, your Christmas uh, <laughs> menu? Christmas feast. Uh, lots of meat. There you um, go. Yeah. yeah, that's the way the Dutch really. do it, huh? Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it really was lots of meat, actually. But yeah, I mean, I spent it with most of my um, with my family, with my in laws. So uh, yeah, no, it was good. It was good, man. It was uh, yeah, a lot of food and just. I mean, we still have leftovers till I don't know. Indeed, probably till tomorrow. So you know, not too much cooking and uh, pretty good. So you know, I'm blessed and uh, yeah, grateful. And I did have to look up what the uh, seven fishes was. I did. Did that just as you were talking? So, oh yeah, oh you didn't know something new. <laughs> uh, no, I did not. I did not. But thanks to the Food Network, uh, Food Network Kitchen, um, <laughs> dot com or Food Network dot com, uh, I do yeah. now know what it is. So there you go. Yeah, sounds lovely. Learn something new every day, Chucks. Yes. Yeah. Last but not least, Sergio. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here. Happy to be back after after missing an episode. Uh, but good to be here as always. Rested, relaxed, renewed. Uh, for for the new year, and hopefully well fed. Yes. <laughs> yeah, not too bad. Can't complain. What is the tradition? What is there a traditional Christmassy meal in Mexico? I don't. I never knew. No, not really. Everyone does their own thing. I mean, you know, supposedly tamales are like a thing, uh, but oh. I've never like I don't know anyone who actually does that, so I don't. I'm unsure if it's just like a stereotype and we all run with it, but like I've never <laughs> eaten that on christmas but that's supposed to be like the traditional thing i don't know if you follow him on twitter sergio but uh one shea serrano was showing off his tamales on uh christmas and christmas eve yeah i i don't know like it, it's probably just not a thing in my part of, of mexico like that that's my best guess probably they do it a lot in the south or, or something but yeah not not really where i'm from i mean it's probably good I like them as much as the next guy. We just don't have them on Christmas. <laughs> yes, I can tell you that uh, one of the best things about where I used to work in California was there was a heavy uh, Latino population in one of the, the cities. And surprisingly, they were the best soccer team in the area. And as a fundraiser for the soccer program, they sold tamales at every home game. And yes, I definitely donated money to the program uh, oh, in no. a way. So, yes. But we are not here to talk about tamales. We are here to talk about Juventus. <laughs> and unlike the previous, what, 50-something or so days, we actually have games to talk about. And that's because we are sitting here uh, just a few short days before Juventus retakes the field. The first game of 2023 against Cremonese, which hopefully is a reunion of sorts now that uh, Nicolo Fagioli is a starter. Hopefully. We don't know because Max Allegri is Max Allegri, but... First off, I'll, I'll just go around the horn. And guys, are you excited for Juventus to be back, knowing that we have not had club football for over 50 days and that basically the only uh, club football that we've had shoved down our, our throats the last few, the last week or so has been in England? Yeah, it's been uh, that or if you if you have the ability to to watch the women, which I unfortunately do not. But yeah, it, it's it'll be fun. I mean, I mean, I I was I was sated by the World Cup itself because I enjoy international football. 
which is not, I know, which I know is not something that a lot of people agree with. They they consider the club game just to be the primary, and the international is an, is a bit of an annoyance. But I really like internationals. You know, my appetite was was well satisfied watching those games. But now, you know, it's been what a week, two week and a half, two weeks, and uh, it's not a uh, you know now now it's just kind of like the, the week before the Super Bowl, where there's like you know the the spare week that does nothing. In a way, it's almost like the usual holiday break there is. Where yeah, it's like, that is. Okay, Christmas, New Year, you kind of expect there to be no no Juventus, but it's just the, the weird part is that <laughs> yeah. for the month and a half before, there also wasn't Juventus. Yeah, it hasn't been for a heck of a long time before that. But uh, I'm, I'm, I, I am excited to, to see how, how this works. I am excited to see a couple of players that we look like we're going to be that we're going to be playing against, uh, particularly Marco Carnesecchi, which who's a guy that we've been connected to quite readily over the last couple of, of months. So, uh, and also we, there, we do have a low knee there is at, uh, it's, uh, Luca, Luca Zanamachia. So it'll be fun to, it'll be fun to watch Juventus playing. It'll be fun to see these guys that, that have these connections to, to the club on the other side. And it will be very, very interesting to see whether this break will hinder the, any of the momentum that they had going into the break, or if they can come out hot and keep this winning streak going. Yeah, sh- shockingly, I'm excited too, uh, which was something that <laughs> nobody could have predicted just just a, like a month before the season ended. Like we were openly calling for the coach to resign uh you know just the team was not having fun they they rolled over in that milan loss and then you know they suddenly became the hottest team in italy against all odds and started playing really good football started playing you know all the young guys that we wanted to see like it was a legitimately fun enjoyable sight to watch and it ended with that you know pretty convincing victory over lazio Suddenly, I think I'm not mistaken in saying that's the highest points that that I've ever felt as a Juve fan since Max Allegri came back after the Chelsea win. I don't think there was a, a win that had me feeling so good for the team other than that one. It was just exactly what we've been wanting to see from this squad for a long, long time. And then we had the break and then we had every member in the board resigning. And then we had all of that that kind of soured a little bit of the of the good vibes that you know, where we're happening for the club. But now that they're back, I'm perhaps foolishly, but I'm kind of, you know, optimistic once again. I think, you know, if this team can continue to play like that, they have a pretty fairly decently uh, bad team against that they're going. So they should get a win. I mean, I, I'm I'm honestly pretty excited to see them again. And despite the World Cup and despite the whole, you know, off the field uh, chaos that that hasn't you know that 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 hasn't stopped i'm i'm cautiously optimistic about juventus once again which is something that again i didn't really think i, I would be saying but it's true yeah and, and something you said sam uh, or danny actually rather uh, something you said about like this break anyway kind of feeling in some odd way like a regular winter break but i mean obviously it wasn't but well i, th- I think it, i think it's now that we're actually in the holidays it actually does feel like the break because when you're right. sitting there in the middle of November and it's like, well, crap, we've got, you know, a month is going to pass and there's still going to be a few more weeks. It's like, okay, this is not normal. But now it's kind of where, where it's reached the point where it's like, 
yeah, okay, this is, you know, Christmas has just happened. We're, we're used to this kind of break, not the first right. four or five weeks of it. Yeah. But then, yeah, of course, in this case, you know, with a lot of UVA players and just a lot of players in general playing still a lot of games in a condensed period of time. And as we were mentioning before uh, the World Cup break, uh, before the World Cup uh, happened, players going to such a different climate, such a warmer climate, playing there for, I don't know, you know, three-ish weeks, plus minus three weeks, and then coming back to, for most people, you know, just cold places. <laughs> um, that's, uh, yeah, that's going to be quite a shock. Um, I mean, I guess going to Qatar um, was, like, I know some players had, like, or some teams anyway, arrived there early and were able to kind of acclimatize and, you know, get used to it. Um, but now, I mean, coming back, you know, for example, look at the Premier League, I'm starting already. And I mean, even with Spurs, I was just looking at their lineup uh, in their 2-2 game against uh, Brentford. Yet Ivan Perisic, <laughs> who played, what, uh, I don't know, eight, nine days before the Brentford game, he played, he played about 5,000 minutes at the World Cup with how, yeah. how much, uh, how many games went into extra time for Croatia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, they, and he played a full 90 minutes, you know, against Brentford. And it's, well, yeah, that makes uh, at least you know, Serie A and, and La Liga and other leagues have, and especially Bundesliga and stuff. I know Bundesliga and the Dutch uh, Eredivisie, they usually take more liberal uh, winter breaks. But at least, you know, those leagues, you get the week, week and a half on top of just, you know, the the usual, uh, some clubs will even give them a few more days off. So at least they I get a few, I mean, a week, two or two weeks uh, more than, you know, Premier League players and Premier League players like Perisic and stuff who reached either the final or the third pl third place playoff game. So, you know, yeah, pretty brutal for them. But then thankfully a little less brutal for Juve players. But yeah, no, I mean, also excited. Like you, Sam, I also actually prefer, uh, nowadays I've, I've start to prefer international football a little more i find the chaos of it more entertaining it's it's uh you know it's, it's less controlled i mean it's like you can't clubs can pick and choose kind of like okay we're gonna buy this player sell these players well you can't pick your nationality um well, within certain bounds but but still you know excited to at least for the on the pitch action uh all the off the pitch action not uh you know as excited about with juve lately but i mean of course we're you know coming in hot into the cold time of the year with just those six six games on the in a row that we won, uh, all with clean sheet. Thankfully, this is I mean this is really the best. I mean, uh, yeah, best case scenario you can hope for with, for the first game coming out of uh, you know out of this break against Kimmel is it at home. Definitely just fortunate in that sense. So you know, all things considered, I mean, I haven't heard too much about injuries uh, with players. Um, obviously, Kaysus he had to I know sit out the I guess both friendlies so far. Yeah, I mean, besides, I mean, besides Pogba, obviously, well, we've uh, we've beat that, uh, we've beat that topic to death already. But yeah, I mean, besides that, injuries. I'm not hearing anything too bad from, or anything at all, really, from uh, the World Cup players in terms of injuries and just in terms of players who uh, were going into the break injured as well. I heard, you know, the mighty Matteo Chilio is uh, back. Mm -hmm. I heard, <laughs> so, mighty. But yeah, I mean, just yeah, in general, on the pitch again, on the pitch, things are looking. Pretty good, kind of going into uh, into the second half of the season. I really do feel for the players that are that are in England because they get, you know, the the the, the English are so hidebound to having Crazy. the Boxing Day fixtures yeah. that they yeah. that they'll cut out, you know, a, what should be a, a, you know, everybody else is giving their players a week, and the the 
the English are just like, no, we must have the Boxing Day fixtures. And it and it's and not all of them are playing on Boxing Day. Yeah, right. I just uh, but I, I just feel really bad for the I just feel really bad for them in that regard because that I mean you never get between that and the fact that there's no winter break in English football, even generally. The I, I've always felt bad for those players because they just get whipped to and the, and then with the extra cup competition too, they just get whipped to hell. And I've 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 always felt bad. Here's a shameless plug. I was on the uh, Viola Nation podcast uh, <laughs> a week or so ago, and they you know, Mike, uh, who co-hosts with Tito, asked me the question. He's like, "What are you expecting from Juventus after the World Cup break?" And it's like, "Well, they obviously went into it on." On pretty solid form having won six straight but it's like name me a time when you've had your season stopped for 50 something days and you actually expected them to basically maintain how they went into the break i mean obviously the pandemic was one that was uh, you know three months off but you know usually the long these long extended breaks they come with the season ending not not the middle of the season so it's just I don't know. I have no idea what to expect from Juventus or anybody else, name, namely because of the just the circumstances. I mean, you know, Chucks was mentioning the players at the World Cup. It's like, you know, you had some players who who made deeper runs than others. Some were out at the group, you know, out in the group stage and they had, you know, a, a decent amount of time to take some time off and then come, you know, come back to training. And some players are now a week or two back in the training. It's just kind of, it feels like everybody's Almost like when you know, we, we see players coming back from the Euros or a summer World Cup and preseason training has has begun in July, where every it feel kind of feels like everybody's just at a different point in terms of getting back up to club match fitness because like we know, it's not like every Juventus player was playing 90 minutes every game. That's just kind of the nature of the beast when they go on international duty. So yeah, it's just a with the World Cup and the vibes around it in general. Not in terms of the, the on the field stuff. It's just just weird. Just very weird. <laughs> How's that for insight? It's very weird. weird. There's a show title for you. Uh, just weird. <laughs> you know, if if you're in a giving mood, and given that we just spent Christmas, I am. You know, a lot of the the guys that really fuel that that you know great Juventus run that we were discussing, a lot of those guys didn't really have big you know, big performances in the World Cup in terms of, of games played, other than Adrian Ravio, who, you know, made the final. O- other than him, really... Some of them weren't at the World Cup at all. Yeah, Guys like I mean, Fajoli, Kane, like... Yeah, a lot yeah. of guys didn't even go. Uh, Blahovic played one game because he was hurt. Kostic, you know, I, I don't really remember how much he played for Serbia, but Serbia, you know, went home after three games. So you really look at, at the roster and it's like, Cuadrado didn't go. Uh, so many guys just didn't even player were not big parts in in their team's world cup run or didn't have very long world cup runs that if you are in a giving mood you 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 can say most of those guys are going to be rested most of those guys returned to juventus earlier than expected so you know perhaps they can you know kind of find that that form that that brought them within I mean, a lot of points within 10 points of napoli but still like that put them in, in third place in the league and kind of had had Juve fans, you know, feeling hopeful again. So that that has to be if you want to talk yourself into Juventus, kind of getting that form back as soon as possible, or, or you know, 
in the best case scenario immediately, I think that's your main argument. Like most of the guys that really were were a big part of that team or of that run didn't really, you know, spend a lot of time in, in Kateri lines to, to put it nicely or no time at all for the Italian base. <laughs> nice little reminder there. <laughs> and yeah, no, I, I agree. And and just to correct, actually, I misspoke earlier. Uh, I said it was a home game against Camonese. It's actually an away game, so pardon me. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Sergio, um, I think the biggest player to, or the key player, I guess, to look at or look for uh, would be Weston McKinney, uh, because, you know, Rabio is obviously going to get an, I mean, I guess an extended break because he got to the final and then Pogba is still injured. So, I mean, I guess he would be the natural replacement kind of on that left, left side of midfield, left central midfield, if McKinney, or if Allegri chooses to actually play him in this position. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of either him or, or Miretti, I guess, if Miretti just keeps his place. So, but yeah, McKenney would be the player to watch, I think, there. Again, kind of coming off injury and, I mean, having a pretty decent World Cup, I thought. Yeah, how much is he going to play? Is he going to go straight back in the starting lineup or are we just going to keep, you know, that Miretti, Fajoli, central midfield there? Who knows? Who knows? But um, yeah, also, like you said, Sergio, I mean, Bremer was obviously has been a key part of the Juve side. Only played one game, the last game against, uh, or the last group game against Cameroon. So, you know, I think, uh, what was it, Sandro and Danilo were I think injured for two games during the World Cup, so yeah, only played. Danilo uh, Danilo sprained his ankle. Sandro pulled yeah. something. Yeah, so they only played what one or two. Well, yeah, I guess one. No, and Dan- a half-ish. Danilo came back. Danilo came back after the group stage and played both knockout games. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so there you go. You know, you have that kind of playing two and a half ish games, basically two and a half three games there. So yeah, I mean, you know, looking at it that way, I think. There's not too much reason to believe that we should lose a lot of momentum um, coming out of the break just because, you know, the core players, like you said, Sergio, the core players either didn't play or didn't play super much. Rabio is just the number one guy that, you know, obviously played basically every game except the last group stage game of the World Cup. And, well, yeah, he'll get a well-deserved extended break. He also missed a semifinal with his mystery mystery. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, the flu, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, again, I imagine he will get a bit of a longer break just because of that. He, he certainly didn't pull a Killian Mbappe and come back to training about forty-eight hours after the final. That's for sure. Oh no! Yeah. I think also at that age, you're just so like you're so rapidly obsessed with the, you know, playing that you know because I mean obviously Mbappe is what twenty-three, I guess, and you know I guess at that age you're just obsessed with just getting straight back at it. Apart from just the players, you know, how will the players be coming out of the world, uh, out of this World Cup? The main thing about what's going to, you know, how we're going to be playing is going to be some of the tactical and and lineup decisions that we're going to be looking at. You know, there were some there were some telltale things that Max Allegri had started doing a little differently that were a big part of how Juve had succeeded during those during those six games, especially during. Uh, in in the better performances like against Inter or against Lazio, when you know where the team, yes, the team was still defensive and and counterattacking, but they were you know like I, I I said this when we when those games happened they were more proactive about getting the ball back in that stand as to just letting it happen you know lineup wise Manuel Locatelli really blossomed during that last month before the the World Cup break. 
And a lot of that had to do with the fact that he was regularly playing with in the midfield with guys like Miretti and Fagioli, who are ball players themselves. And so now instead of him having to do everything for the likes of McKenney and, and Rabio when they were playing alongside him, he now gets to interplay with a bunch of, pa- of good passing midfielders, and that has clearly upped his game. You know, he needs at least one other guy who can play the ball in there to, to really be at his best, at least in the three-man midfield. So I, I you know, things like that are going to be, you know, Federico Chiesa, who by all accounts is going to be ready to go for the, you know, from the, from the Cremonese game onward. That's the biggest question is how is he going to integrate Federico Chiesa into this team and for that matter, Angel Di Maria into this team, if that three-five-two formation stays, with a three-five a three-five-two that Max has used during the friendlies that we've seen so far, I believe. Yeah. So obviously, no matter who the players are, even if it's you know the regulars that we saw before the World Cup break, or just the random youth players that have been called up. It feels like the three five two is here to stay at least for the time being. Yeah, unless he was doing that to cover for the absence of guys like Chiesa and and Di Maria from the squad, uh, or in Chiesa's case, from you know at the towards the end not being able to start him. You know, maybe you could go a three four three, and and let the wingers uh, let the you know so then you can use your wingers and that's not exactly something that Allegri's ever done before. And this version of Max that we have has not shown any proclivities to do things that he hasn't done before. Uh, so I don't know if we can expect that. But yeah, it, it's going to be it's going to be very very interesting to see how that all gets pressed together to turn the team into to turn the team into a whole. Because you know, ironically, that three five two was perfect for the players he had left as the injury crisis was was still raging around him. Now, you look at Di Maria, you look at Geza, maybe not so much anymore, and it, it depends on, on what Allegri decides. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I feel like it also, especially knowing how far some of the players went in the tournament, and obviously we're talking about Di Maria, Rabio, and Paredes, how much easing back into things Allegri gives them. Because if Allegri is one to just plop Rabio back in the starting lineup, like like we've seen basically earlier this year when 
you know, it looked like he was about to leave. And then all of a sudden the next day he was starting. Okay. Then, you know, we have an idea that it's basically Ravio Locatelli and then kind of McKinney or Fagioli. But I want to say that Fagioli is one of the key players here, because like you were saying, Sam, he allows Locatelli to be more of Locatelli and not necessarily just the guy who's sitting in front of the defense and just trying to orchestrate things. He kind of has a little bit more freedom to express himself rather than just, all right, he's the anchor for the midfield and let's hope for the best. And just also um, kind of tag along with that. Um, de- I mean, I think definitely with the three, five, two, that's yeah. I mean, it looks like it will remain and, you know, that was much of the reason I think, uh, as you kind of alluded to that got us that stability of form and that great form going into the world cup break. Yeah, I mean, like you you mentioned uh, Paredes and uh, Di Maria. I mean, the interesting thing, obviously, those those three players, so Paredes, Di Maria, and Rabio were obviously the three that went the furthest in the tournament. But with Di Maria and with the two Argentines, I mean, it's it's weird because their their roles in the team have been so minimal, really. Paredes almost, I mean, watching him during the World Cup, my God. <laughs> oh, man, he's become a bit of a liability. He started... Uh, Was, did you have that thought before or after he fired a... Uh shot at about 100 miles an hour into the uh, Dutch bench. Uh, it was, uh, that was definitely a big uh, influence and factor, um, <laughs> which I never even knew if he, uh, if he actually, did he actually hit anyone then? Did he actually No, I don't think he did, target? but. He did really? not hit anybody, but it came damn well, he came damn near close to getting hit himself by the Dutch players who were coming um, after yeah, him after that. Rightly yeah. so. I mean, I'm almost like, dude, if you're going to hit it that hard from that distance, at least hit someone. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> it's like, you know, please don't, don't make it. Kind of like his form this season, just kind of misfiring and not yeah, hitting the target. Yeah. I would have, I mean, I, I would have sent him off in that game oh yeah yeah the refereeing in that game was not good there was some bad there was some bad refereeing towards the end of the group stages and that was one of them yeah he he should have at least gotten a yellow card i don't know if he did yeah he got a yellow for the tackle but i would would have given him then yellow for that and then just you know yeah and then yeah and then a second yellow for the yeah yeah for that yeah maybe it's maybe it's not a a straight red but you get then you get the second yellow in quick succession it's so you know again like Kind of going back to what we're saying, I mean, Allegri does have like a kind of a glut of or luxury of uh, of choices now, just with injuries easing up, and you know, not too many players going too far into the tournament. Um, again, except for those, you know, three uh, those three players. So really, you know, you think of you think of the type of coach Allegri is. He generally likes to stick with what he knows and just what's been working. If it does, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, kind of guy. So, you know, that makes me think that players like Paredes and Di Maria anyway will probably, you know, will probably let them sit on the bench for longer, I imagine, A, to let them recover, but then B, just, you know, things are working. Um, the three five two so far is working quite well. So, yeah, why kind of force players who, you know, just had a month-long competition and went all the way straight back into the lineup? Rabio is obviously the big question, but yeah, I mean, with, just with, very few injuries now and then kind of having that choice between either three five two or even a four two three one or you know four three three having all these options available um i mean i would see him just sticking to the three five two sticking with basically as many players that made that great run into the before the world cup yeah sticking with them which again i think would be pretty doable except for vladovich who's you know i guess again semi-injured but thankfully uh moise keen is in Probably the best form he's been in since, oh, since he was at PSG, I'll say, I guess. And even then he was, I mean, he was a super sub then, but I mean, he was 
quite quite an effective one then so you know um i'll say if it ain't broke don't fix it max and and it's ironic because now we you know we're talking about allegory having choices that juventus's best form came when max didn't have choices correct sergio yeah yeah i I think that's going to be interesting because like chuck said like ideally if it's if if it ain't broke don't fix it i agree but suddenly you're gonna get Paul Pogba back and you're going to get Angel Di Maria back. And we just saw what an impactful player Angel Di Maria can be when he's in form and, and he's, you know, playing well. And, and Blahovic is going to come back as well, which, you know, let's not forget that this great run that they had, it was mostly done without Blahovic on, on the field. So you're going to get these guys back. You're going to have to play them. Like you're going to have to find a way to play them. And once you start thinking about that, it's like, well, I have to play Kiesa. Where do I play this guy? Well, he clearly plays better in the wings, but like that, you know, the formation that just solves so much success is not really suited to a guy. Like we didn't play with a guy like him on the wings. It's just going to be a lot of retinkering again, which is both exciting because getting those guys back that we know have a lot of quality and we know that are very, very good players. It's going to be exciting to see them uh, play for Juventus, for Pogba, uh, for pretty much the first time. But, you know, Chiesa, you know, for him to start getting, you know, minutes again as a starter is going to be really exciting. Uh, Hopefully Di Maria can, you know, become that guy that, that we know that he can be, that he just showed that he can be for more than, uh, a couple of games that that we saw in the first half that that game against Maccabi Haifa and I don't really remember a whole bunch of other games where he was really all that impactful. <laughs> Sassuolo on opening day and that was about it. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. So you know, you you get that talent back and that is a net positive. But the you know the the negative or, or the counter to that is you're gonna have to break that formation that worked really well for you. You're gonna have to sit some guys that played really well for you just because of because now you have more players and and the quality is there and you're paying them a whole bunch of money you're not going to not play them so it's 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 going to be interesting it's going to be interesting how he adapts uh how he manages to or, or or tries to continue this current momentum while at the same time fitting in all these new pieces it's both exciting and you know i am super super scared that you know like like you guys said like he's going to break it up they're going to bring in guys. Maybe it doesn't work. And suddenly this Juventus rejuvenation is not looking as promising as, as we thought. Anybody have anything else or shall we transition to our secondary topic here? Let's, let's, let's get it. Okay. Let's cruise. All right. Well, obviously this time uh, <laughs> with what's going on the last few weeks at Juventus is uh, been more about what's going on off the field rather than on the field, and not just because of the World Cup break. Earlier this week, we got the word that Juvent- the first portion of Juventus's new board of directors has essentially taken shape and has been uh, basically nominated and are awaiting confirmation at the shareholders meeting in mid-January. And some of the names, like uh, Gianluca Ferrero and um, Maurizio Scanavino, are names that we've heard before you know, in the, in the days, in the first couple of days leading up to, uh, or after the entire board resigning. And now we're getting a few other names and shockingly, as we discussed on a few podcast episodes uh, prior to this one is that they, they all seem to have one thing in common and that is a lot of business acumen. So as we await, say somebody like Alessandro Del Piero to decide whether he wants to join the new board of directors or not, or some other names from the past who might be more of a sporting 
side and more of a sporting uh, involved kind of director. Juventus is first, you know, I, I would assume it's going to be a 12 person board again. So basically the first half of it is uh, very much on the business side and knowing what Juventus's finances look like and knowing what situation they are currently in with the investigations, uh, whether it's by the Turin prosecutor's office, whether it's by UEFA or whether it's by now, as we know, the Italian football federation, having some people who know what the heck they're doing on the business side, rather than say, Oh, I don't know. Fabio Paratici, who got Juventus into this mess, play or should played a large part, I should say, uh, get, getting Juventus into this mess has, uh, is no surprise, at least to me. And I think uh, we, we got that impression early on from uh, people who were in Italy reporting on this. And you know they, they seem to be right on the money when it comes to who, uh, at least the profile of who Juventus will look to kind of build this board around, at least in part. Yeah, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, the, the board of directors that, well, just resigned, obviously, um, I believe there were nine members of it. Um, so with these, so this is, I guess, with these appointments now, that's, I mean, I guess half, more than half now of the new board that has been, you know, appointed and finalized. Yeah, I mean, like you said, just at least half of the board or more than half of the board is going to be with strong business uh, business background, which is People good. after your own heart. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Although many of them end up being quite heartless, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, my opinions on that. I think I have uh, spoke a little bit on that a few episodes ago. But yeah, I mean, I think that shows just the general intention of, you know, of the club. Obviously, making sure that people that know business are in charge of the business side of the club. But yeah, I mean, I think you want some balance. Um, you want some, you want someone with some sporting background, too, of course. And just based on the boards that I've been on, I mean, which are nonprofit boards, so obviously a little different. But just from the boards I've seen and kind of been on in my community, um, there is always, or maybe that's just a sign of the times. Maybe that didn't always used to be that way, but there's definitely a big emphasis on diversity, not just of, you know, race and ethnicity, but diversity of experience. So like, I mean, the boards I've been on, it's, it's very consciously people try to pick board members from, I don't know, the business world and then from the nonprofit world. And then, business owner and uh i don't know someone financial experience and someone who uh, social worker maybe again this is non-profit boards that's slightly different but just that de- general intention is is there of just making sort of diversity of experience which honestly i would say it's probably more emphasized than really the diversity of race and ethnicity and stuff so presumably there is that same intention here uh with juve to yeah, um, I'll, I'll, yeah i'll just i'll just jump in to say that one of the one of the women who was on basically dominated for a spot on the board. She's got more of a legal background. Another one has, you know, basically ma- helped manage a lot of big, I think big telecommunications or of that kind of sector around Italy. Um, I believe Scanavino has done a lot of things along those lines for XOR and ma- kind of managing the properties that XOR has. So they've got, they've got different profiles in terms yeah. of their experience, but they're all, of business mind all right so then you know again the interesting thing is what will be the other i don't know three four ish members what will they look like and that's where again i'm thinking presumably uh, hopefully i guess you would want them to be yeah members that are slightly i yeah slightly more sporting oriented or just some kind of different background like from you know 
from the current five that have been appointed. Um, that's, I guess, that's really going to be the, the interesting thing to see. Like, you know, the 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 next three or four members, presumably, they're going to be of different professional experience. What type of professional, different professional experience? Is it just going to be like now four, I don't know, ex players or something, or four like, or three or four like very football oriented people? Um, or is it going to be one or two more football oriented people? And I don't know, maybe just two complete wild cards. I, I don't know. Um, but that's that's kind of what I'm what I would wonder. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, I, I think that you know, especially when when you talk about a, a an organization as big as Juventus. Ideally, I would like just very smart people, very smart business people, to be in the board. I think that that's good. I think that's a pretty decent choice. Uh, you know, because the board is is financial. It's how to run a business. Is you know they handle all of that. They don't necessarily, or I mean, as far as I understand it, they don't necessarily decide who to sign or what players are good or the scouting or that is just football operations. And I think it's good that both both are different. I'm not saying that that a football mind can't be a, a very competent or a very good board member or that the board member can be a very good football mind. Like I'm, I'm not saying that, but. I think that sometimes we do tend to go with like, you know, people were saying like, oh, Alex Del Piero, like that'd be dope. It'd be dope because he was a very good football player, but we don't know if he's any good at running a club or at being part of a managing club. We've seen it time and time again, just because a guy had success on the field, it, it doesn't mean that they're going to be successful in, in anything else in, in their life. I'm not even talking business. Like we've seen guys, you know, be very good at sports and then be terrible at everything else in their lives. And, and that happens. So ideally, I'm just perfectly fine with the fact that they they all seem like boring business people that I had no knowledge <laughs> of before they got named to Juventus board because that's, you know, that's the type of people you want making those business decisions. When it comes to the, to the football side, when it comes to, you know, they were saying that maybe Max Allegri gets a, like a supercharged role a la Alex Ferguson in Manchester United when he does everything. I don't know if that's the greatest idea, but like, that that's a different thing like that we can talk about who is better suited to make those football decisions but as far as business decisions i think they they picked i don't know if they're you know no way of knowing this because i don't know them personally but on the on its face as taking it at face value watching the resumes they seem like they pick very competent smart business people and that's that's the best you can you can hope for i think for for those type of roles yeah you look at the the names uh, besides Ferreira, and I mean, obviously, the new president is very much different, at least in terms of his resume, than somebody like Andrea Agnelli, who is at his core is a football man. I mean, he grew up. I mean, we can look back throughout the the archives of the photos that we have available to us on the website. Andrea Agnelli, as a kid, is basically right there with other, you know, front office members that are working at Juventus. So, I mean, he is very much a football man. And that's what he was looked to basically revive when he was hired. It's like Juventus was at, you know, as, as we know from, from the old iterations of the website, Chuck, that was the dark ages when Nelly uh -huh. came around and what happened, he was able to rebuild the sporting side of things. Well, you look at Juventus' news president, obviously there is off the field issues and investigations going on, but ultimately it's also the club finances that need to be fixed and fixed majorly if Juventus wants to stop posting losses that begin with two and have eight other numbers <laughs> after that. So, yeah, I think, you know, for the situation that Juventus is in, having very smart business people, like Sergio said, like Chuck said, 
it's uh it's vital to having this club get back to what we want them to be and one thing i'll add as well uh that i've seen i think i saw the columbus crew uh, i live in ohio of course so um, i think i saw the columbus crew did it for i'm pretty sure it was their board or it might have been their foundation board i'm pretty sure it was their regular board where they have a current player on as a um as a board member i'm pretty sure as a voting member i'll have to check again but i remember i was looking at this recently but yeah i'm pretty sure it was voting member so to have that on, I, I I like that a lot. Um, to either have a current player on as a voting member or a non-voting member, I mean, you can do either one. But I like that. I like that model um, a lot. To just kind of have that representation from the people that you're, you know. Well, now now with. the question is, Chuck's what what player should it be? Oh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> someone who's, I mean, I don't know. God, uh, someone who's diplomatic i'd hope <laughs> uh, buffon would have been perfect type of guy just a yes. diplomatic guy like him yeah i, I, I don't know i'd have to think about that really but then i guess as a kind of amendment or addendum or whatever it's kind of a side note to that one uh what you can then also do is just have an employee so like not necessarily a player but just uh have a uva employee so i don't know uh, you know whatever head of hr or something <laughs> um have that person be on as again either voting member or non-voting member just to have that kind of you know representation of the people on the board i like that a lot and uh that's you know also possible and that i think that would be a good signal uh, yeah a good signal of like okay we're kind of being more conscious going forward of yeah not not doing everything in a like in a back room or just like okay all the sporting stuff is happening there and then we're here in this back room doing secret things <laughs> you mentioned like a potential wild card could Giorgio Chiellini be that potential wild card because as we know he's got obviously the, the sporting accomplishments and the name recognition and everything but he's one of the few players that actually has studied and right. prepared himself for exactly this kind of host playing career essentially and I mean we we basically Ever since he announced that he was leaving Juventus, we have basically assumed that he would be coming back to the front office in one shape or form, whether it's sporting director or board of directors or whatever. And I mean, we don't know what's going on with him in LAFC right now, how long he might actually end up staying there. But I would assume that there have been discussions and he stopped by training one day with to see some some buddies during the World Cup break. So I would assume that was discussed, right? You you would have to. You have to think about when it comes to, to Chiellini, whether or not he's kind of radioactive at this point, given the the role yeah. he had in at least brokering these salary deals. It 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 breaks my heart to say it because you know we've been anticipating his his heading to the board for a long time now, as his playing career has wound down. But that that's going to have to be taken into account now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, definitely. And again, with that kind of either current player or maybe like an ex player, going back to the old Del Pio thing. I mean, okay, if if you know, big if if you bring a player like him on or an ex player like him on to the board, yeah, like like I said, maybe bring him on as a non voting member just to kind of test the waters a little bit, and then maybe make that type of position where it's like okay, a player current. Well, I don't, I don't know. I I. I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago that if Del Piero was to come back, it's not going to be for a minor kind of role. Yeah, he's not going to be a figurehead. Yeah, yeah. You know, it it just does go 
you know, based on all of the backgrounds that we've got, though, that th this is, you know, Exor is very much showing his hand as to how they want to get through this, how they want to get the club through this this period. And that is by running a really tight business ship for, for and who knows how long that'll last. But my guess is, look, just looking at the backgrounds of these people is that there aren't going to be a whole ton of big, splashy transfer moves over the next couple of years while the while these the the business walks put the finances back in order now that you've said that samuel 100 million euros for sergey milinkovic savage coming this yeah summer. right <laughs> if psg doesn't get to him first <laughs> you never know psg eh. 102 million you heard it here first They'll just toss that little extra on. Yes. Yeah. Why not buy yourself a yacht? Why are you Go on. Go on. <laughs> Go on. A little tax write off there. PSG, they can buy more than that, Chucks. PSG, true, yeah. True. PSG true. can buy themselves a freaking cruise liner by the dozen. Yeah. Yeah. Book some nice depreciation on that. There you go. Creative accounting. Here we go again. <laughs> there we go. Turin prosecutor's office is already raising red flags. Yeah. You think I've been paying attention, people? Come on. You have to play the game or you get beaten, Pete. Nah, kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. Just, I'm not one of them. Yet. Yeah, well, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> yes. Well, guys, we ready for some Juventus football coming up in a few days? I would love it. Hey, as long as we're winning. Yeah, that too. Now that you said that, nothing, nothing draw at Cremonese, Chucks. Thank you uh, very much. Yeah, yeah. Sam know. can already start on his match recap. <laughs> I don't want to start the new year angry. Come on now. <laughs> as it is, as it is, I'm probably going to have to watch the replay of that game coming home from work because it's the middle of the week. So gosh knows. Yeah. Those games are not very sympathetic for our work schedules, indeed. No, they are not. That's, you know. I wouldn't know anything about regular nine to five, this gentleman. <laughs> had one in 15 I'm years. My, I'm not a regular nine to five either. <laughs> That's right. Neither. Now that I remember, yeah, you you are very much like me in that. I am a 6 a.m. to 2. Well, gentlemen, shall we wrap things up for this week? Yes, sure. All right. Sure well, does HR still need to deal with the Twitter question guy? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> blame, blame it on the blame it on the the, uh, the Christmas feast. I guess we could we could say that. I just blame it on Twitter crashing and burning. Just say I don't know the server went out or something. Yeah, it, it didn't. It didn't get enough uh, Twitter views now that we can see how many views everybody's tweet get tweets get. Yeah, too many zeros and because ones. Twitter analytics haven't been a thing available to you for every tweet for I don't know how many years prior. <laughs> now that I'm done ranting about that, thank you all for listening to this week's episode. <laughs> we will be back with you guys next week when uh, when we actually have games to discuss again and actually Juventus games, not international games at the World Cup in Qatar. Thankfully, we're done with all those. So. When we do get back to Twitter questions, you can send them to us at Juventus Nation on the Twitter machine. Follow us there as well as on Facebook and Instagram. We have been active, a little more active over the break as the games get closer and closer on the Instagram. So feel free to follow us there, all other socials. Uh, if you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, same search tool, black and white and red over as on social. If you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to leave us a rating and review. Like we said, top of the show, it helps us get noticed and spread the word and all that good stuff. So for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio and producer Kaush, this is Danny saying thank you very much for listening. 
and we will talk to you guys next week.